Happy Memorial Day weekend, Bills Mafia. You are here for another episode of Bills Talk with Matt Perino, and I can't tell you how much I want to thank you for that and all of your support over the last six weeks since we launched this podcast. Your guys' support has been absolutely amazing. A couple of quick housekeeping notes before we get into the show tonight. Uh, First things first, today's episode uh, we recorded about... 10 days ago, myself and ESPN's Marcel Louis-Jacques, and it's a question that we get asked all the time, and we've obviously covered the Bills uh, pretty heavily over the course of this offseason, and we wanted to kind of dip our, uh, take our toes out of the water, if you will, uh, of Bills football and talk a little bit about our careers, because people ask us all the time, how did you get to the job that you have, and you know, what did you have to do to, to get there, and you know, whether it was my time at the UFC or now covering the Bills, uh, young journalists and, and sports fans in general ask me that question quite a bit. So we wanted to dive a little bit into our journeys and, and talk about how we got to the spots that we're in now and, and you know the great parts of our jobs, the tough parts about our jobs. It's all in this uh, next hour on this podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And, and then the live show this week, uh, another big-time guest, former Bill Center Eric Wood is going to join myself and Ryan Talbot. Uh, look back at his career a little bit. Look at the, the Bills roster as it stands now. Uh, color commentator on game days with John Murphy. Uh, still very heavily involved with this team. So we'll talk about a myriad of topics Wednesday night live on YouTube at 7 p.m. I hope you enjoy it. But for now, my conversation with Marcel-Louis Jacques from ESPN. Welcome into another episode of Bill's Talk with Matt Perino. I am your host, Matt Perino, and I'm joined today uh, by ESPN's Marcel Louis Jacques. Marcel, what's up, my man? You know, man, another day in uh, another day in this paradise. Just, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you're just trying to take it one day at a time out here. Everybody's kind of going through it in the same way, more or less. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just willpower at this point. One, it's all one willpower. Year, one year on the beat and. Sean McDermott cliches are already ringing true (laughs) one day at a time, but it's real. And it's funny because, all right, so let me set this up a little bit before we get too far into this. This isn't going to be a a, a bill centric podcast. We're going to talk about a little, a a different topic, but I I say all the time when people ask me like, what's going to be important about this upcoming season with the bills. And I was like, well, the continuity and the cliches that we all joke about are going to be really important this year because taking it one day at a time in this environment and with this schedule with four West Coast trips coming up in 2020, it's going to be really important. So I, I feel you there. Gosh, and oh man, we need those. Uh, I personally really need those West Coast trips to happen, man. This is like the most selfish thing I've ever approached a season. Like, <laughs> Man, like these are going, these are hitting like all my old spots, man. Like San Francisco, I grew up in Northern California. Phoenix, I went to college at Arizona State. Vegas, like my dad's lived in Vegas for basically half my life. It's like a second home for me. Uh, no ties to Denver, but it's it's just Denver. But like, <laughs> I was like, man, I really need these to happen. Um, it'd be devastating not to. And uh, you know, for all, for fans, like I know it's it's work. We get paid to do this and. And this game, you know, it's something that fans can enjoy. But shoot, man, like we work so hard in the season that those road trips are like kind of nice for us too. Like that's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll admit it. I'll be the one that blows the top off. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I, I love the travel part of the season. So uh, it, 
it would hurt that the season not happening would hurt, you know, more than just fans, more than players. It sucks for us too. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about what we've been up to before we started this uh, because, you know, we're usually like, you know, elbow to elbow in the media rooms and on the road trips. And, you know, that's a, that becomes a big part of our life. And, you know, for you specifically, you know, coming to Buffalo this your first year here and, and covering pro sports for the last couple, you're used to that kind of moving around. And now you're kind of just stuck inside the house. It changed the dynamic of things a little bit. It does. And the thing is, like, I don't think any of us are used to being, um, you know, away for this for this long. Um, usually this is the time of year. I mean, every offseason, you know, you've got your dull periods. But usually this time of year is when we start to trickle back into the facility. Like, we'd be going to rookie camp this week. Shoot, we, we'd, it's Wednesday. We'd probably be at One Bills Drive right now. We'd probably be at the field watching this new class right now. And uh, so this is this is officially when I think we got lucky, like the NFL writers got kind of lucky in that, you know, all of this started happening during our slower period anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if anybody had to make that big of an adjustment in their in their work style or in their work habits, workload um, until we started not being able to go to things. So we until we started not being able to go to the facility for the draft and go for rookie camp and now OTAs and mini camp is going to be the next. So uh, this is when, you know, we're really starting to, you know, we're really going through it here. Mm-hmm. So like I said, this is Bill's talk with Matt Perino, uh, our brand new podcast on uh, com. And usually we'd be going into all things Buffalo Bills, but this is a special episode because, you know, me and Marcel, we've, we, we've, we've become pretty close on the beat over the course of the year, like really respect the uh, the climb he's had to get to the place that he's at. And it's a question that both of us get all the time, whether it be by fans, friends, family, you know, how, how did you get a job covering an NFL team? And I thought instead of continuing to answer these individual questions, we have, we put together a little podcast here that we could direct people to, because I think it's helpful not only for fans, but for, you know, aspiring journalists and, and, and media folks that want to get into this thing you know, kind of sharing a couple tricks of the trade and what we've learned on our journey. So, Marcel, take us through it real quick. Where did you start and, and, and where have you gone and how did you land at where you're at now? Yeah, it, and you're right. It is something that uh, it is something I get, you know, so, so often. And I just I usually I, I either don't have time or I'm in the middle to, of something to answer every, every email. But uh, everybody's journey is different. Mine man, like I didn't even start in, in journalism. Like my first job was, uh, I, I don't even put this on my resume guys. So like my <laughs> first, first job out of college, I worked at Topgolf and not even like for Topgolf, like corporately, like at a Topgolf. Like I was literally taking people to their bays and getting them started. Um, ironically, I was just thinking about it the other night. Um, that was 2014. Okay. So it was right after, Odell Beckham Jr. got drafted and uh, I was working at the Topgolf in Scottsdale and he actually came in to that uh, that Topgolf and it just so happened it was my turn to take somebody out to the bay so I took Odell Beckham Jr. out to his bay at Topgolf in 2014 and then five years later 2019 I'm covering him you know in Cleveland or I'm covering a game he's playing in Cleveland it's just like that the ride is wild 
But uh, eventually, you know, I got tired of that. Uh, my roommate set me up with a job at, uh, at Yelp, you know, selling advertising. And, uh, you know, I was ready to kind of say, all right, well, I don't have, I didn't have journalism offers out of college. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to hire me. And so I don't know if it was more of a confidence thing or just trying to look at it logically, but I just needed something to pay the bills. And I quickly realized like, this isn't me. Like I tried it. It just, I'm not a salesman. And, uh, I found a job at a newspaper in Lake Havasu, Arizona. It was for a general assignment reporter slash copy editor position paid me 1425 an hour and uh i said you know what yeah i'll do it let's start let's do it so i i left my i left my friends i went to a city i knew zero people uh my dad by the grace of god lived about an hour away so that was like that was really nice to have but i mean i'm going i'm covering like I'm covering like car crashes and uh, community events. Like I covered a balloon festival <laughs> out there. Um, I covered pickleball tournaments. Like, I mean, just uh, anything that would really, anything that would pop up. Like I was basically on call fires. And um, eventually I just asked our sports editor, Hey man, like there's only one high school in town. So there's not a lot of work to go around, but like, if two teams are playing at the same time, or if you don't feel like going to a game, like, do you mind like either me going or like us both tagging? Or, and he's like, yeah, 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 sure. Go ahead. And so slowly, you know, I was covering, I'd cover like the, the girls basketball game. I'd cover tennis. Um, I'd cover softball while he did baseball, like stuff like that. And he just kind of saw that it made such an impact that like I was enjoying it so much that he just offered to trade jobs with me. Wow. straight up and um and so that's how I started and and uh you know I did that for another for about a year then moved to Seguin Texas to do the same thing uh at that that small newspaper with more high schools and more a little more responsibility and that's when like the real jump happened man because uh from there I got an offer to go cover Clemson like fresh off a national title game um they lost, but, or no, they won. They won. It was the one that they won. So I'm covering the national champion, go from 5A Texas, you know, middle of 20,000 population town to Davo Sweeney. Wow. And um, I did that for a year and a half before uh, just kind of, I got really lucky. I think right place, right time when a, a job covering the Carolina Panthers opened up and I uh, went up and did that for half a season. And, uh, and then, you know, the rest is history. Ended up in Buffalo, but uh, I guess the I might have even glossed over some of the finer points. But like, I guess kind of like the moral is like there, there's no like linear path. There's no like you have to do X, Y, and Z to get here. Like, like I said, man, like I didn't even start in, I didn't even start in journalism. Like I'm literally taking NFL players to their bay, not interviewing them to start my my post-college so like people who are who get discouraged people who say like well I, I haven't been doing this I haven't been doing that like it, it's never I don't think it's ever really too late you just kind of have to I guess realize you need to start somewhere you know like mm -hmm. there's not uh and that somewhere is not going to be in an NFL locker room like you just gotta start start at the bottom and be willing to work your way up, I guess. 
Yeah, it's so funny you said that you don't put Top Golf on your resume. Something that I don't put on my resume is the fact that I dropped out of high school. And it was kind of like a difficult time growing up. Like we had moved all over the place. Like I went to, I think it was four schools in five years. And then my dad took a job in Dallas, Texas. So I was, out, I was living out in Flower Mound for a year, came back, tried to go to a new high school again, but just had kind of given up. I wasn't a great student. So I dropped out and it was like five years. Like people ask me all the time, like, how old are you? And I'm always like, you know, at this point I'm 37. They're like, no way, get out of town. I'm like, yeah, because like I literally took five or six years and just wasted them because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so I always knew that I wanted to do something in sports and I, I was a decent writer. And so finally, I think it was my uncle that one time said, man, why don't you why don't you start writing into the newspaper? Like, you know, obviously the Buffalo news was the big paper in town. And so I did. And, and some of it was well-received and I, I met some really cool um, people along the way, but I started at Erie community college, went, was there for a year and a half, really buckled down for the first time, probably ever really took school seriously and got accepted to the university of Buffalo. And that's when my like entire life changed. Like, and I started at the University of Buffalo when I was, we figured this out the other day, 20, 25, 25 or 26. And I was there for five years because I took like a, a really slow approach because I wanted to get as many opportunities there as I could. So I knew I wanted to be in sports writing. I, I really was ex excited about the opportunity to like cover a team, like a, a be a beat guy. And so I thought, okay, I have two, two programs here, the basketball and football program that I could eventually kind of own and, and, and call those my beat. So I did that. And by the time I was a, what would have been a senior, I was covering the football and basketball team solo, like made a bunch of really good connections while I was doing it within the Buffalo media market. The next year, I kind of took a different track a little bit. I became this editor in chief of the paper and kind of ran it from a more uh, 30,000 feet view as opposed to that sports view. And that's where I think I grew the most, won a national award for uh, a profile that I did. And then I, that was when it clicked. I was like, whenever you have that kind of success, and I know you could talk about you know, your award-winning piece in a minute because it was phenomenal. Um, when you have that kind of success and, and you finally feel like, okay, something I did is really um, not only impactful, but like proves that you can do it, at a high level, I think that that really reaffirms your choices and what you're doing. Because listen, one of the reasons we get asked this so much is because it, it seems like such an impossible dream. Like I started out of school at the Tonawanda News, which like you were saying, is like a local, like really low level, 6,000 circulation. It's no longer in existence. And shortly after I left the job, I was there for a year and a half. Um, the paper closed, but I was covering high schools. And I remember one summer, one of the first things that I did, I had to go out and, and, and do a hydroplane racing uh, boat event. I had to cover that like oh, it was yeah. uh, like a football game, man. It was like, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> well, you have to make the best of it. You have to make the best of it. And so, yeah, to your point, you really got to make the most of each stop on the rung because you learn so much at each spot and you know obviously i went from that tanawana news that really small newspaper to the ufc which was a crazy once in a lifetime opportunity that um i tell people this all the time for for young 
for young people in school that are looking for jobs in sports and you don't know necessarily what you want to do, teamwork online, get on there now and just start scoping the jobs that are available. Because one day the UFC posted a job for web editor, which at the time I didn't even really know what that meant. And I don't think they really knew, knew what it meant because they were still so young. This was 2014 as a professional sport. And they basically said, hey, we need somebody to run our website. Like, you know, you, you, you've been a journalist, you've covered pro sports, want to come out to Vegas and cover this. And I was like, uh, sign me up. I, I had to do a little yeah. convincing with my wife, but we got out there and I was out there for five years before coming back to cover the bills. And of course, like I said, we've, we've lost over things here, but like, I think that's the key takeaway from this first part here is that, you know, there's no, no job too small or no experience too, um, uh, humbling that you shouldn't gravitate towards and really embrace and try to get the most out of it. Yeah. Uh, I got a, the drag or the, the boat racing that really hit that really hit. Cause I, I was covering drag boat racing down in like in Parker, Arizona and Lake Havasu, Arizona, man, the loudest things I've ever experienced in my life, man. Like the, at the, I learned a valuable lesson. I found the start line and I learned right away not to stand at the start line. Uh, thank God for like the, the neck strap. Cause I'm like, I'm shooting and those things start up. And if you've heard one, you know what I'm talking about. When, Cause when those things start up, it is like, Oh my God. And the way sound carries over water. Like I, I basically like fumbled the camera. Like I would have <laughs> dropped it in the water. I dropped it. Some would have dropped it if I didn't have that strap on. But uh, yeah, man, they, like you can't, you just can't be afraid to humble yourself and learn how to cut your teeth and, or I just and cut your teeth in these kind of markets. Like every, every major job that I've gotten. So the, the, the Panthers beat the, the bills beat at ESPN everywhere I've gone, everywhere I've interviewed, they have appreciated the fact that like, okay, we see that you were a sports editor at, you know, in, in Havasu or, and in Seguin, like you, you were willing to work your way, up, you're willing to put that time in at this level and and I think the key is to not think of it like you know not to think of it like oh well I'm this is nothing this is just you know this is just high school this is just you know a, a, a little regional track meet this is nothing no like you got to cover it like you cover it like it's the Olympics you cover it like it's the NFL like this has been it's been more or less easy to to transition from step to step because I was covering the Lake Havasu Knights football like I covered the Clemson Tigers. Like, I mean, I, I'm studying stats. I, I am, you know, picking out matchups uh, to watch. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find as much film on other teams' key players as possible, which is not easy in rural communities, man. Like, you just have to, you have to attack it. Like, you can't be looking at what other people are doing and say, because, I, I mean, I, I went to school with some great, great journal at master dispatching with bleach report jordan rodrigue with the athletic right now one of my best friends like i'm seeing jordan go to penn state or cover penn state and i'm in havasu and i never or did my absolute best not to think of it like wow like i want to do that or i wish i was there da, 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 da. she's so lucky she is but it's like i thought of it like okay i'm not ready to do it yet when i'm ready that opportunity will present itself so like I just you gotta focus on making yourself as ready as possible if that makes you know if that makes sense so it's uh it all sounds kind of it sounds kind of cliche but like 
people appreciate that. People appreciate the work ethic. They appreciate that, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstrap mentality. It still exists now. Your college experience too, I tell young journalists, is so important in terms of how you approach it. Like for you, you were at Arizona State. So listen, man, you got to live that life while you're at Arizona State and, and, and really sink your teeth into enjoy uh, everything that comes along with going to school at Arizona State. But all jokes aside, you, you have to really dial into the four or five, six years, whatever you're planning on, on doing at college. How can I learn things that will make me a, a better option for employers when I leave here. So if you want to be a sports writer, what, what are you writing about? Like what clips are you getting? What kind of, what kind of things are you doing that are making you versatile? You mentioned you were, you were sitting at a boat race with a camera. You better be able to shoot video. You better be able to be on video. You better be able to write. I mean, there's no one thing you do anymore. And if you do that, you're usually left behind. Like I, I know I take it to the extreme. A lot of times people tell me, man, you're doing like everything. Like you're on video. You're yeah. Because you have to make yourself marketable. I've always believed that going back to the Tonawana news days when I was at a, when I was at a, a high school basketball game, shooting video and clipping it together and doing a voiceover. Like those are the kind of things that people notice that like people that hire notice that. And, you know, and for you, five years ago when you're working your way up, you know, from the high school football beat, like if you had never been on camera or, or, or how would you have been ready for an ESPN uh, job that's asking you to do it all? So I think that's a, a huge component of it is really building yourself as a professional while you have the time and freedom. Yeah. And it's, it's almost liberating to do it at that at that level and at that stage too. Cause like who is about to blow up your spot if you aren't good or if right. it takes you 10 tries. Like I used to do bold predictions before every football game on Friday nights. And I'd have like, I, I'd give a kid a Gatorade or buy him a soda or something like that. If he, if he filmed it for me. And sometimes it, it would take me five, six, seven, eight tries, but like, who this is your time to learn. Like this is your time to learn in a market that's not going to kill you for it. You know what I mean? If you look awkward on camera in, in Tonawanda or in, in Havasu, the city's not going to kill you for it as if you, it would if you look awkward on camera covering the Bills nationally or covering the Panthers or Clemson. Like, that's the place to – it's just uh, – that's, that's what's so important about those kind of, those kind of jobs and, and that, kind of, that kind of career growth. And then, uh, yeah, in, in college, man, like, I got to credit – I have to credit ASU um, – for the preparation because one of their, you know, fundamental principles when I was there was teaching us how to be backpack journalists where, you know, you got everything you need. You're like a one man, you're like a one man army. Mm -hmm. When you go cover something, you can shoot the video, you can shoot your own photos, you can write, you can edit. And uh, that really helps in these, I don't know what it, what it was like in Tonawanda. I can imagine in these one man sports departments. Like I was in one man sports department, so I had no choice but to do everything myself. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, and, and it offered internships. So like it gives you a chance to make connections, gives you a chance to learn without, you know, like I said, the pressures of, of being good quite yet. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, it, I feel like a lot of people you, you want to be, you want to be famous. You want to be, high profile, but like, you gotta be, you gotta be good first. You gotta make sure that you're ready 
by the time you get there. If not, if you get if you start at the top and you're not ready for it, like it's hard to get back there. I can imagine it's hard to get back there. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it all boils down to you know humble yourself and and work your butt off. If anybody wants a real laugh, search UFC rankings report on YouTube and go try to find the earliest episodes. <laughs> I think I was able before I left the UFC to make a few of those unlisted. So you won't be able to find them because they were so bad, <laughs> but I can't, I can't remember. And they might've changed it since I left, but we're talking about Marcel. I watched one recently, like a, like a, like a six months or a year ago. And I'm like, I thought I was such hot shit. Like I, I am on, I got my own show that I, that I helped really create with Forrest Griffin, we're breaking down fights every week. I've interviewed John Jones from that, in the early stages of it, Daniel Cormier, some of the, George St. Pierre, some of the best. And I watch some of these episodes and I'm like, you are shit, man. Like, you are terrible. <laughs> and, but it, that's what it comes down to. Like, the, that is humbling. Like, that is like, no matter how good you get, you, you always have so much room to improve. I mean, even now we deal with it in social media. That's another piece of this that we can get into right now, because I think that's an important part. For anybody that's thinking about, you know, entering the public eye as a writer, uh, a broadcast journalist, or any type of media person, you are going to be ridiculed no matter what. If you have a take, if you write, if you are on camera, people are going to come at you. That's, that's what 2020 looks like in social media. So I think part of the job is having a thick skin and being able to deal with the fact that not everybody is going to like what you're cooking, if you will. Yeah. And you know, I am, I am personally, you know, can, I can be King Petty. So I, I gotta, I gotta say this with a grain of salt. I usually, I don't respond unless it's just, uh, I'm, I'm usually, you know, I'm usually joking when I do it or, or it's just so outlandish or if I get so many that say the same thing, then I, somebody's got to sacrifice a tribute here, mm -hmm. but yeah, man, like it's going to be, you've got to be comfortable putting your face and putting your name on things that are going out to the masses and the law of averages says not everybody's going to love it. Like not everybody's going to, not everybody's going to agree. Some people just kind of like to see the world burn and they're going to come, you know, they're going to talk some trash to you. But uh, you kind of have to get used to being in that, I guess, in that, in that eye. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and, and social media also, like, just try to, I don't know, like, how I try to do it, I try to brand myself as something as more than just, like, a robotic sports account. And uh, I know it's probably been a little slow nowadays, but even going all the way back to, you know, to Havasu, I was trying to tweet about things that weren't sports-related. You know, I was just trying to, add value to this account like you can the way i see it like there's a hundred accounts there's a hundred ways for people to get information you know to just get straight up this was the score these are the stats information mm -hmm. like what are you adding like what does your account add that makes you a must follow are you funny do you add like are you some sort of numbers just guru are you well connected like can you can you add um can you add context like what what are you doing that's setting you apart from from the masses because like i said you know it, it's very easy to sign up for a shameless plug here it's very easy to sign up for an espn alert 
and get alerts every game that say 18-yard touchdown, Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs. Final score, Buffalo 24, New York Jets 16. Like, it, it's very easy to get the, the meat and potatoes, but, mm-hmm. you know, where's the, where's the extra here? Uh, what, are you, what are you doing differently? And uh, I think that's what – and that could go, that could go the wrong way because, you know, there's, there's people out there that, like, they see hot take culture and they think, okay, like, I just need to spew out – I just need to spew out takes, and that's how, that's how I get famous. And when you look at some of these, you know, some of these hot take artists, like Skip Bayless is, is probably the most famous one, right? Skip was a very accomplished journalist before forget he that. turned into a hot. Yeah, people really forget. Go watch Pony Excess. Like, <laughs> this man, he was the guy. He was the guy in the DFW area. So, like, you know, even he did what he had to do first before he, he started adding to the machine. But, uh, but yeah, you just you kind of have to, you got to be different. And that's where doing so in those small markets, like, that's where you know that helps is like you're able to kind of cultivate this brand and where you can afford a misstep or two uh like you don't have to be perfect you can you can perfect it uh at the lower you know at the the lower ranks before you before you move up for sure so what this is another thing like i want to talk to you about in terms of where you are now in the prism of your career like you know when you started off was this kind of like where you said okay I want to be at ESPN someday or something like that where I'm covering a team because for me it's interesting people ask me all the time like oh man like the UFC that's crazy how did you leave that like you were octagon side like I would get texts from old friends that I hadn't seen in 10-15 years like dude I just saw you on TV right outside the octagon like what's your job what are you doing I was at every big fight. I was at Conor McGregor at Madison Square Garden, Ronda Rousey in Australia, um, Michael Bisping, uh, everything, all the big fights for five years. But I left because growing up, I knew what the Bills meant to my family, to the community, to me growing up. I mean, I was a massive Bills fan. And so this was always the end game for me. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to cover the Bills. Like at that time, I didn't really know the dynamic change that was going to happen because you know, before you're really in it, you don't really understand it. Even covering the UFC, like that wasn't necessarily a beat. I was covering the whole league. So it was a little bit different. Now I get here and people ask me like, oh man, you're, you're, you you grew up a Bills fan. You got to love covering the Bills. Yeah. But like, it changes it for you. It changes it quite a bit for you. So like, this was the dream job. This is always what I wanted. And I'm so glad to be here at a time where I feel like the franchise is trending upwards to be able to cover this for the people it's it's so meaningful and as i'm sure you've realized social media and bill's mafia is like one of the most thirsty hungry fan bases out there but my question is was this always the dream to to land at espn and you did it pretty early in your career yeah i don't i don't necessarily think i believed it would happen so quickly um you know like i said five years ago man i'm still fresh out of college like five years ago to the on this day I had just started you know I was maybe a couple months in as a as a sports editor in in Havasu and so you know I thought it would take I thought it would take you know maybe 10 years down the line I could I could do it but uh beat writing was the was the goal like I wanted to be 
that I love being a go-to source of information. Like I love when people like in high school, I loved when, you know, my friends said, Hey, I heard something, something happened. Marcel, do you know anything about that? And of course, like I'd read three, three stories about it before I got to school that morning. So I was like, yeah, it was X, Y, Z got traded for da, 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 da. Like, and this pick, which is good. Cause this draft class has X, I, you know, like I, I love being able to break things down like that. And uh, obviously I never, I never thought I would be in Buffalo. Uh, you know, don't take offense to it. Like I know they're, they're reaching for the tables right now, as I say that, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, it's just like, it just was never a city that you really thought about out West. Just like, I'm sure nobody in Buffalo, New York thinks like, I think I want to work in Sacramento, California. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, it, it's just an unexpected blessing like that. But, um, I, I get what you're saying though, about how it changes the, it changes how you kind of see, it changes how you see sports. Like really right now there's one team that I can watch like, and it, it's just pure bliss. Like it's just pure fan enjoyment. And that's anything ASU does like ASU right. football, ASU basketball. I can watch that. I can sit down and cheer and irrationally spew out my takes, but everything else, like I grew up a Raiders fan and it's different now. Like I just kind of see the league a little bit, a little bit differently. I, I see, I, I couldn't imagine, I can imagine how hard it would probably be to cover a team that you grew up, you know, you grew up following, you grew up a fan of. Cause it's just, it's work and it's a business and it's you like, you think you think about your team all the time when you're a fan, like at, you know, at 2 AM, if, if Buffalo, or, or let's, so yeah, at, at midnight, if Buffalo trades for <laughs> Stefan Diggs, you know, and, and you're, you're a teenager, you might look at it. You'd be like, Oh hell yeah. Like, Tweet something out about it like cool maybe maybe you pull up a game of Madden you you add digs to the roster and play a game maybe and and if, and then you go back you go to bed you go on with your night Stefan Diggs gets traded now at midnight that's four hours of work that is okay now I have to I got to study rosters I've got to study his stats for the past year I've got to see okay what is he what did he how is he most productive in Minnesota? How is that going to translate to Buffalo? What does this mean for the rest of the roster moving forward? Like all of a sudden, like you are the producer of the content that you used to just wake up and and consume. And you know, that, that does, I don't want to say it gets old, but like it gets to a point where like, you know, you know, talking about bills is, is, is work. It's not, you know, I enjoy doing it, but it's still absolutely my job. Like if you work at a bank, like you might enjoy your job, but sometimes you don't feel like talking about numbers. You don't feel like talking money. You don't feel like talking that stuff. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. I I wouldn't trade it for the world. Don't get me wrong. But uh, like, I I just don't know covering the Raiders. That would be, that would just be so interesting. That's why it all, it kind of cracks me up whenever people, you know, you say something too positive about a team that, Oh, they used to do it at Clemson all the damn time. Like you say something positive up, oh, there's a Clemson Homer again, got typical Marcel Homer takes. And it was like one up from California. How many California and Clemson fans do you know? <laughs> but two, like, I just couldn't, I, I don't see how you can do it. Like it is so hard to be a fan and a, a writer at the same, a fan and a journalist at, at the same time. Like, 
I don't think people understand like how difficult that that really is because like player like players and and, and your peers and uh, the team itself like they'll see through the BS if you're if you fanboy it the entire time. Like if you think you're just gonna sit here and, and lob a bunch of you know happy go lucky fanboy questions to to Sean McDermott or Brandon or or Dion Dawkins or any of these guys like. Yeah, sure, they'll probably answer it, but they take note. <laughs> like, like, okay, like, who gave this guy, who gave this guy a credential? You might, they might not love tough questions, but if you can ask a tough question and back it up, like, you're going to get, you'll get respect for it. And it's just, there's just so much that goes into that dynamic that I don't feel like, I feel like people don't think about. I might start to ramble here for a second. No, but it's like, good stuff, though. It's just that people don't really, people don't think about when they say, like, when they think that you're 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 a homer, you're uh, yeah, it's it just I, I don't know, man. It, it it's not as easy as I think fans think it would it would be. Right, and so let me tell a little story here because, like, I think this is for me in my job. Like, I think out of everybody that covers the team on the beat, I, I'm generally thought of as one of the more homerish, if you would takes on a lot of things like especially with josh allen i've been very pro josh allen that really has nothing to do with the fact that i grew up rooting for this team that just that's my evaluation that's what i've watched over the last two two years and but anyway before i get to that let me tell a story so i was hired by advance uh to cover the bills for syracuse.com in new york upstate on july 15th 2018 so six months before that, I was in a Las Vegas casino with my good buddy, Adam Hill, who grew up a, a Bills fan too. His family's from Hamburg. He covers the, um, he's covered the UFC, the Raiders, the Golden Knights for the Review Journal. Actually going to have him on the podcast uh, in a couple uh, weeks here, or a couple days maybe. We're watching the Bills game and absolutely going nuts as Andy Dalton at the end of the game sends the Bills to the playoffs by throwing that touchdown pass against the Ravens. I mean, I was full fan even at that point. And it was changing. I cover pro sports. So it's not like I'm sitting on the couch every Sunday watching the Bills. Like I'm not living and dying and, and, and breathing with every move that they make. But I was still a pretty big fan. So when this job came up, Everybody was like, oh, my gosh, this is a dream come true. You get to go home to Buffalo, cover the team you've spent your whole life um, cheering for, you know, in and out, this and that. On day one, you walk into training camp and you walk up to that podium and that, those, those group of chairs in that little tent. And you're faced with asking questions to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. And there's a sense of responsibility that comes with being a beat reporter that changes immediately that dynamic. Marcel, I'll sit here and tell you with 100% honesty, I've never had a moment doing this job where I've been inclined to cheer or um, react emotionally, other than the fact that, listen, some moments are huge. I mean, being in Dallas this year when the Bills won on Thanksgiving, that's a big moment for a city. It's, it's easy to get worked up in that, you know, emotionally. But there's never a sense that I need to respond emotionally to what's happening because once that day happened where I started doing this job, it just changes. And, and it changes because of the way that you have to talk to the players. The players become different in your eyes than they were as a fan. The coaches, the, you know, you're dealing with public relations, with this, which is a whole nother 
um, side of things. Like, you know, the Bills want things a certain way. And, you know, we're trying to tell the story the way that, you know, frame it the way that we feel like is truthful and the way that it is. And so there's a dynamic at play all the time. It's very interesting. But I will say without hesitation that unfortunately a big part of that fan in me is gone. And maybe it will return if I ever move on to do something else. And, you know, obviously I love being on the national stage covering the UFC and uh, I'm still very close and plugged in in that world. But right now I really like the chance to cover this team and the potential now that they're good. Oh, and that's my final point on this. Back to the Josh Allen stuff and the Homer stuff. It's easy to have positive takes about a regime and a team when they've had two playoff appearances in three years after going 17 years without one. So people wonder why I'm so positive about what's happening here. It hasn't happened in two decades. Of course, there's some stuff to say nice things about. Right. And guess There's what? Positive there, things happening. Yeah. Exactly. There may be a situation coming up in the next two years if the expectations that are heightened aren't met, where that narrative changes. But right now, they've they've done what they said they were going to do up to this point, has been my contention. Like the, the Josh Allen takes, like people think the Josh Allen takes have been have been exasperating the past two years. Hell no. You haven't seen shit yet because they are going to be at an all-time high this year. Like, this is the pick aside, this is the pick aside year for, for Josh Allen. And, and I know we're not trying to get, you know, super into Bill's takes here, but, like, this is when it's going to – because there's no – you look at the roster, man. There's no excuse. There's no other excuse. Like, if, if he's not successful this year, there's nothing – there's no other reason to look at it. You got the same five offensive line. You got the best talent you've literally ever been around at any level. Like it, it's, uh, there's just no other. You got one of the best defenses in the NFL again. Like there's not going to be, there's not going to be any reason. And uh, you know, just yeah, it, it gets people defensive, man. But but yeah, I I, I want to kind of change something I say. You know, I don't I don't mean to say when I said it, it it's not as easy, or I think covering your favorite teams, probably not as easy as, as fans would, the average fan would think. Um, I've never covered my favorite team before, but like, I don't, I don't think it would be difficult. Like after doing it for, after doing the job itself for the past few years, like I'd be able to go to Las Vegas and, and cover the Raiders. I'd be able to go back to Tempe and cover ASU. Like I, I could do it. I just don't think, like you said, I don't think it, the experience would be what fans would expect it to be. Like I, I think there are, like we mentioned, I think there are a lot of things that, that, that would surprise them. I think a lot of people would like you, like, I think it would probably dull that sense of fanship with the exception of, of the occasional, of the big moment, you know, like, like that Dallas, I, I have no ties to the bills outside of my profession. Like, like it's, I'm not a fan. I'm not a, you know, I, I cover them for money like that's literally my job but like i sat there in that press box in, in dallas and was like wow like you could just you, you just feel it like wow like this was a huge deal like this was a this was a big time this was a really big moment and that's you know we and we talk about it like that's everybody was talking about it in the press box man it wasn't like it, it like there's everybody knows the rule no cheering in the press box but like we're not just some like emotionless robots sitting up there 
like I'm talking, I was talking to Clarence Hill for, for half an hour before the game, like, man, like if Buffalo wins this game, like I think this is one of the biggest wins that they've ever had. And he's saying the same thing too, but like, Emotionally, he's like, no way that's ever going to happen. Not at the time. Like we, we had to talk about it after the game and it, we're just, we're, we're laughing. And he's just like, that was, an, that was incredible. Like, that was incredible to see. Like you're being you too modest, appreciate. by the way, you're being too modest because we sit next to each other on all the road trips and in Buffalo. <laughs> and you turned to me before that game and you were like, the bills are winning this game. You called yeah. it before anybody. Like you just had that feeling. It was that big moment feel. So props for that cheap, cheap plug. Yeah, I was about to say, like, I had to wear it because, like, uh, we do that. We do, like, the whole prediction thing every week. And I think I, like, and I, I turn those in. And people don't realize, like, the ESPN predictions, we turn those in on, like, maybe on, like, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like, well into the week. Or at least I did mine on Tuesday, just early in the week so I could get it out the way. And uh, before I start talking to players and before I really start doing – you know, doing my research, like you could drive yourself crazy if you want an like a spot on accurate prediction every single time. It's usually just kind of like gut feeling at the time and, and send it. But the more I talked to players, the more like, I looked into the matchups, the more I just thought about it. I was like, dude, there's no way Buffalo's losing this game. And not just that. I, it's just like sometimes the story makes sense. It was like, dude, not only do they win this game, like I thought they won by multiple scores. I was like, I think that they – I think they win-win. Like, I think Garrett gets fired. And uh, obviously that didn't happen right away. But, yeah, it just – but, like, you you learn to appreciate – you learn to root for the story instead of the team. Like, you learn to appreciate the moment rather than the, the individuals or, or the, the organization. And so it just – like I said, it alters your way – the way that you look at sports. It's not necessarily for the worse. Uh, I don't even, I don't think – I would say it's better or worse, but it's definitely different. For sure. And for me, I get to still have the enjoyment of the joy the city gets from it. And for me, that's enough because, you know, I think that because we work in pro sports, no matter how you want to do it, it changes. Like I know people that work on the team side of things where the emotions are kind of stripped away a little bit. And it's just when you see behind the curtain, of anything, it's going to change the dynamic a little bit. But listen, we all signed up for it. This is what this is what we wanted to do with our life, and we all like we've said multiple times. You got to pitch yourself sometimes because it's like when you finally do land at this thing, at this at, at a stop where you can really say, "I've made it," and I've done something in this in this profession, any profession. I think that's the moment when it's really. You know, when you have something to add to the conversation. So I think that's why I wanted to do this today. And before we get out of there here, I wanted to ask you, you know, your popularity on the beat has been impressive to watch. And that's something that I, I you know, I'm, I'm a journalist, but I also really study, you know, social media and the way that specific media members are able to kind of juggle their social media responsibility and how they're kind of accepted in the world. Bill's mafia loves Marcel Louis <laughs> and listen, you do great work and you know, we're friends. So it's easy for me to say all that, but I want to ask you one year in Buffalo at ESPN, what have you learned about, you know, the city, the team, the dynamic, all of those things, like your one big takeaway from your first year. 
Uh, there's just, there's a lot of pride. And I think, uh, I think the thing about this city is like, I think they're so tired of being a punching bag. I think people here are so tired of their city being disrespected, of their team being disrespected. Cause it kind of, you know, they kind of go hand in hand here. Like when people think of Buffalo, they think of the bills more often than not. And, uh, I, I think that, you know, they're just so, there's so much pride in the city that if you can reciprocate that kind of respect, then they'll throw it right back at you. And so that was what, that was the main thing that I wanted to do when I got here is, you know, I wanted to come in and, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm not going to be a fan of the team, but this is, this is my city. Like no, there's no law in journalism that says you can't like the city that you, you cover. You can't like the city that you're in. And so I just wanted to come in here and appreciate Buffalo or at the very least show that I was trying to appreciate Buffalo. Mm. And I do. The snow in May is testing my juice a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to have to talk about that. But like, that's all I wanted to do. Like I wanted to come in here and, and show that like, Hey, like nobody put a gun to my head and told me to come to Buffalo. Like I'm here cause I want to be, um, I, I'm, I'm going to do my best here. Like I'm going to cover the team, how I cover the team, but like, I want to embrace this city as well. And I think that, I think that resonated with people. It resonated so much quicker than I ever would have thought. Um, that's like, I, I, I've always had, I've had a decent following on Twitter. Um, I think I got like, I had somewhere, I had more than a thousand after Havasu and Seguin, which if you've seen those markets is like unheard of. I still don't know how I did it to this day, but um, you know, Clemson fans trickled in a little bit. Uh, Panthers fans trickled in, you know, a couple thousand, a few thousand. And uh, I'll never forget, I, I had, I never had, I never know the exact number of followers I have, except for, I swear, this one, one day, I woke up in the morning and I, like, I checked my phone, like, going through notifications and saw, oh, I've got 5,999 followers. And it was the day I, uh, it was the day that I was announcing, hey, I'm coming to ESPN. That day, I got, I think it was 6,000 followers, just 6,000 Bills fans like that. Like I had 12 or 13K by the end of the day. I remember I, I went to, I went to grab a drink with, uh, with my friend, Brendan Marks, who works at The Athletic now, but we were both at The Observer at the time. And like, I put my phone down and it is just, bzz, bzz, like for the entire time we're grabbing a beer and uh I was just like wow these people like these fans these people here in Buffalo are like they don't even know me yet and they're flocking in so like like what can I do I appreciate that I appreciate that kind of faith like what can I do to make sure that they're not let down that they're not disappointed and that's where I decided you know like I think the least I can do is come in and appreciate or at least put the effort forward and to appreciating the city that you know they're so prideful of and they're so they love so much and uh you know i i i appreciate them still to this day love them too and uh they've made the transition so much easier here like it's uh you know, i might not personally know a ton of people in town but you know it always feels like there's twenty thousand people you know that were ready to have my back, ready to help me out, ready to point me toward their favorite wing spot or so on and so forth. And uh, it's always nice.
I I came in with close to twenty, and that was twenty thousand. That's easy to accumulate when you're working for a global sports league. But I lost. Um, I I figured I was going to lose a big chunk of that because I was changing um, lanes pretty pretty significantly. And I think that in the time since I came two years ago to now, I've gained that number estimated give or take in bills fans and that to me is what i've learned the most even coming from being a bills fan is that there's so much genuine passion for the team and it's like it never stops man like for me as a fan like in my 20s and i was dialed in i was not a season ticket holder ever I never have been a big fan of like going out in the cold. I think we're simpatico there, like going out in the cold, the middle of December, like just never was my thing. I know people are going to judge me on that, Bills fans, but I will come out of the closet. I was not a big, I'm going to go to the, I was more of a Sunday, one o'clock, most of the time Bills play on one o'clock in my living room with my, my uncle, my dad, my grandfather. That was like a family thing. Like, so, but I don't even know where I was going with this, but <laughs> <laughs> started thinking about my grandpa a little bit get, gets me all emotional but what I learned is just the passion that no matter what time of the year it is people are dialed into this thing and it's it's amazing it really is I don't, I don't yeah I, I don't endorse mob mentality don't get me wrong but and or internet bullying but like I have noticed the you know the few people who either come faulty or, or come disrespectfully at me you know, if I say, if I mention something, if I say something about it, Bills fans usually come in mass and just throw them right through that table. And uh, I appreciate that. I uh, actually, I actually this year think that I do want to try to go through a table because I do want to, <laughs> I want to go through a table and then write a first person uh, column on what it was like to actually go through the table because I think sneaky, like I was a big wrestling fan back in the day and we used to do like some backyard stuff. Nothing crazy, nothing like you've seen on the internet where people are going through barbed wire and stuff. But, like, I would like to know what it feels like to go through a table. I mean, that's a little crazy. That's, like, I will not be doing it probably ever. <laughs> but, uh, like, I won't, you know, I'll watch it. I'll, I'll watch somebody do it. I, I feel, I hear you got you to gotta kind of venture out a bit. I heard that they stamped that out around the, around the stadium. That's a... Uh, uh, I think I talked to to the guy uh, over at the Hammers lot, and uh, he's very adamantly against it. Mm-hmm. But and I mean, it's right next to like a like a spinal center or like a chiropractic <laughs> clinic, like for a reason. Uh, so I, yeah, I heard that they, I heard that it's it's pretty frowned upon. But uh, it's just so funny that that's so that activity is is so closely associated with Bills fans. Like, mm-hmm. like they did it enough. They did it to a point where like they're known for it now. That's just, it cracks me up. This has been so much fun, man. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Marcel. Thank you so much for listening. Um, tell everybody where they can find your work as we move, continue to move through a very ominous off season here and hopefully yeah. get some training camp in a couple months. Hey, really big team here, man. Four letters, ESPN.com. Be sure to set the bills as one of your favorite teams. That way you get, uh, you know, every story I write, every update I post, uh, everything, 
you know, meat and potatoes. You get that directly to your phone. You can set notifications up. Also, obviously, on Twitter, at Marcel underscore LJ. On Twitter, on Instagram, at M Lewis J-A. Um, it, it's, it's really easy. You just chop my last name up, up like that. I'm, I want to start doing more on Instagram. Uh, probably start doing more on Instagram this year. Uh, I like the Q&A sessions on there more than I like them on Twitter. Uh, so, you know, I might start to phase into that a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, man, hey, pleasure being on with you. Uh, apparently the Rams just dropped their new jerseys. Have you been getting notif- or notifications oh, no, about no, this? No. I turned my notifications off. How like, do I look? Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't like those photos. Let's see. <laughs> it's got to be a better look. <laughs> yeah. All right. I like the helmet, actually. Oh, it's a I throwback. Like the, it's a throwback. I like the helmet a lot. Okay. Yeah, with the with the new with the new like kind of two piece logo. Yeah. Um, I'm not crazy about the white jersey. Uh, they got the second best. They got the second best uniforms in in LA. How about that? The Chargers are fire. The baby blues. Let me see if I can get yeah. that on here so people can see them here. I don't know. It's yeah, see, that there. was the angle. Like, the Jared Goff in there, that looks like real eh. That looks real <laughs> little eh. That's but, funny. Uh, I had the same reaction when I watched Jared Goff play football. Um, <laughs> no, nah, that's too mean. That's too mean. He has, he's had some nice moments. So, I'll see him up close this year. Definitely. In Buffalo. And sh- shout out Marcel. I like the shift from Twitter to Instagram for your Q and A's because you can find those on Sundays after games on the Uber ride from the stadium back to Marceau's hotel. <laughs> so that, those Instagram live sessions could be a little bit more interesting. Q and A's in the back yeah. of the Uber. Yeah. Next time I, I almost get shysted by, uh, or not almost get, cause I don't want to sound, I want it to sound like I was even remotely close to accepting it. But next time a taxi driver just tries to literally rob me, out of a ride back to Manhattan, then the world can see. Like, in what world, man? Like, it cost me $35 to get from Midtown Manhattan to, to the Meadowlands. Mm-hmm. And this taxi driver's tra- asking me for $120 and talking to me like it's a bargain. <laughs> like, bro, I would walk. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, you would- uh, I walk back to Buffalo before I pay a $120 taxi. Yeah, you were living that life in New York. When we were down there, you did the uh, you stayed in Manhattan, made it out to the Meadowlands. Um, I was at the courtyard in I think it was Secaucus. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate I appreciate your willingness to enjoy the city for that for that weekend. Hey, oh, like I said, man, these travels these are like little mini vacations. So for at least you know eight hours, these are they're little eight hour vacations before the work stuff starts. So it's kind of you know I figure if we're going to New York, I'm gonna go to New York. Love it. All right, guys. Thank you so much again. Uh, As always, for all your Bills contact, keep it locked on the Syracuse.com and nyup.com. Take care.